Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, uh, something's happening uh, in Gaza right now. Bombs going off all over the place. I Looking at it right now, I don't think this is the big ground invasion everyone's anticipating. This is uh, prepping the battlefield, right? You do this, you hit them, you hit them, you hit them, you keep hitting them, and then you go in with the troops. And sometimes that can take a long time. That can take uh, a week, uh, four weeks, six weeks, two months, three months. Just take all the time you need, all right? Take all the time you need. I hope uh, Bibi, Bibi Netanyahu, who's a tough, savvy guy, and he's kind of a New Yorker, too. You know, he spent a lot of time here. He actually, uh, he didn't go to high school in New Jersey, uh, but he lived with a family in New Jersey. He, he went to high school, I think, in, in, in Pennsylvania somewhere near Philadelphia. But he spent a lot of time in New York. I feel like he's one of us. He's a real regular guy, but he's tough as hell, and... um He's look, there's all kinds of domestic tumult that he's got to deal with, and uh, you know people are pointing fingers at him. And uh, but I I just hope he does this the right way, and that is a, at a time and place of BB's choosing. Right, this is up to him. Don't be pressured into it. You know, I mean, you're going to do the right thing ultimately, but you got to do it when all the pieces are in place. There's a time and a place to hit back right away. Then there's a time and a place to uh, do it to your maximum advantage, and I think that's what he's doing. I think back to the 1993 raid on the Branch Davidians. Anybody remember this? David Koresh. David Koresh was this crazy cult leader, and he had all these people around him in Waco, Texas, outside of Waco, Texas, and they had this camp, the Branch Davidians, they called themselves. I don't know what the hell they stood for, what they were all about, uh, but it was weird. And uh whatever, you can be weird in America if you want to be, but he had a lot of guns. And the ATF was suspicious about this guy out there in a compound with all these people and all the guns. So one day they showed up to get the guns, and he said, uh, you're not coming in. And I think there was a shootout, and then there was a standoff that lasted for about like a month or so. It was like a real long time. And uh, this is early in the Clinton administration. And everybody was like, oh, what's with the Clintons? You know, I mean, why, why, look at this. He's not tough. He's indecisive. He's just waiting, waiting, waiting. Come on, you got to do something. Well, um, maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe you do, maybe you don't. You, you wait, you know, just try to block out all the noise and do the right thing. I don't think they blocked out all the noise and, uh, they jumped the gun and they went in like at lunchtime with a tank. And just the place burned to the ground, uh, lots of lives lost. It didn't have to be that way. And uh, that's what I want the uh, Israelis to do. All right, Just don't go in because somebody says you got to go in now or yesterday or the Likud party's upset or the Labor Party, however it works over there. Just go in when you're ready, okay? And a lot of warf- warfare isn't just bang, bang, blast them, you know, shoot them. It's moving logistics, moving supplies, getting everything in place. It's uh, it's a little bit complex behind the scenes, and I, I think they're getting that all in place. 
and uh, ultimately Hamas will be eradicated as it should be. Um, I mean, my God, and I, I can't stand the media coverage of this, you know, as if this has just uh, the people of Gaza, you know, were randomly selected for uh, abuse and suffering. You know, the terrorists brought this on. The terrorists did this. The terrorists did it to Afghanistan. Remember, um, they hit us on 9-11. We could not make the women and children foremost on our mind when we were retaliating. Yes, we factored that in. We want to minimize that, but it's going to happen in war. It's going to happen in this war. It happens in every war where good people are killed. That's one of the reasons why you don't want to go to war unless it's absolutely necessary. Hamas, you guys started this thing. They took, they took women and children. They, t- hey, I'm looking at the USS Eisenhower right now. USS Eisenhower is an aircraft carrier in the Persian Gulf. And I think it's so damn cool that I got to land on that thing. I did. I landed on the aircraft carrier, the Eisenhower. Also the America, also the Peleliu, also the Tarawa, also the Bonham Richard. A whole bunch of them. You, you know that old slogan, be all you can be in the army, reserve, or whatever? Uh, it's true. You know, and we do more things before six o'clock than most people do all day. It was true. You really get to do a lot of cool stuff. I don't know about what it's like anymore. It's, uh, it's woke and it's weird. It used to be you were cut off from society in a good way. You could focus on the job. You could focus on, on, uh, you know, the profession of arms and, uh, whatever was happening, uh, back in the, the, the cities and towns. Well, whatever. Uh, you were about, you were something else. You were removed from it all. Now with the cell phone, they can inhale what's happening all over the place. There's almost, such a thing as too much connectivity, you know, I, I, and it started when I was in, I mean, emailing your, uh, you know, your, your fiance, your wife, you know, like every day you're getting emails. I mean, it sounds nice, but in the old days you went off to war and, you know, maybe you will see you in a year. <laughs> Hopefully you come back, you write letters and that kind of thing. But there was just too much con- connectivity. It's kind of, it's, that's even more stressful. I think it's more stressful to be, you know, overseas fighting a war and knowing every little thing that's going on in your house, you know, your, your, your son has a fever, your daughter, you know, uh, flunked a quiz, all that stuff. You need to kind of, Oh gosh, it's gotta be tougher now than ever before. And, uh, and then you throw the woke stuff in, then, then it's a real problem. Uh, I am reminded how much Trump did for Israel, you know, Trump, no greater friend than Trump, uh, for Israel and moving that embassy to Jerusalem. You know, everybody talked a good game about that. He's the only one who did it. He just did it. And he didn't listen to those State Department geeks who all they do is write position papers and briefing books and read them and debate them and read them and debate them and then go to this symposium and that conference and then come back and then write a debrief. And it just, it's just endless paperwork, bureaucracy, not doing anything and not getting into trouble. As it was, that's the big, that's the number one objective of anybody in government. Do not get in trouble. Do not do anything that's going to rock the boat. Just keep growing this place. Uh, more money, more budget, more stuff, more personnel. Just keep on growing and growing and growing. Uh, but be discreet about it. Be discreet about it. Um, all right. Let's see here. Um, you know, I am so sick of Chris Christie all over the place. I see him everywhere now. He's getting way too much media attention, way too much. And he's got one thing to say. You know, he hates Trump. It's really, and no, no one ever, ever, ever presses this guy. Let's get Governor Christie on the phone. 
let's find out where the hell he is, all right? Probably at lunch right around now. I know that goes overtime for him. But I really do want to talk to him about um, the, the pure hatred and hypocrisy that he exhibits every time he opens his mouth on any of these shows. And no one challenges him because he's doing by their, you know, he's doing what they want done. Another suicide mission uh, on Trump. And like the kamikazes, sooner or later, the they think one of these guys will sink the ship. But I find him particularly offensive, that man right there. And one of the reasons why he's so bitter is because he could have run for president himself in 2012, and he didn't because he's a wuss. He chickened out. He had a chance in 2012. He might have been able to beat Obama. Romney wasn't. Romney. You know there's a new book about Romney? Romney is such a narcissist. He sits down with some guy who writes a book about him, uh, for about you know, three weeks, they work together. Now the book is out, and uh, you can read it, and you can tell, yeah, he's a loser. He is a loser. He is. He just didn't have it. And in 2012, that was a winnable race, and he blew it in part because he was too too concerned about well his image. You know, how does this look for me? Forget you for a second. How about the country? Just go for it. He wouldn't break a sweat. He wouldn't. You know, you can do a lot of things. You can really get a lot of things done if you're not worried about how you look all the time. And most politicians are worried about how they look. Donald Trump is not worried about that stuff, just not worried about it. That's why we love him. You know, we can tell a guy who's got one eye on on the mirror, you know, and, oh, what is the New York Times? What are they going to say about me? What are they going to write about me? Oh, no. People live in fear. You say one nasty thing about them, they're, they're, they're in the fetal position in the closet for two weeks. They need the approval of the swamp. They need the approval of the mainstream. Even some people need the approval of the conservative media. I've seen Trump run afoul of conservative media um, a lot, and uh, he doesn't care. And it's just so refreshing. Hey, the new Speaker of the House, his name is Johnson, right? Great guy. Really like him. He had the audacity to tell Sean Hannity last night that he has a biblical worldview. He has a biblical, you know, Judeo-Christian values, and that's somehow a problem. Why is that a problem? I mean, have, have, I mean, they don't understand. Like that is a radical thing to say. You talk about the Bible these days. Ooh, ooh you're going to make somebody uncomfortable. You really shouldn't be talking about that. Why don't you talk about kids undergoing uh, gender therapy? That is actually you're on more solid ground talking about. Uh, transgender rights than you are talking about uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Hmm? I mean, talk about a society that is totally out of control, warped, stupid, crazy, and going downhill fast, right? You can't talk about the Bible, but you can talk about this gender crap all the time. Come out as this, that, and the other thing. Talk about sexuality all day long, uh, but... The, the the ultimate hope that is available to each and every one of us that is available in that book. You know, we still go through the motions, though, don't we? Right? We go through the motions. They they bring a Bible for when you're sworn in. Right? You, you put your left hand on the Bible, you raise your right hand, and you take that oath of office. But the moment you start talking about the Bible or quoting Scripture, you are a right-wing evangelical zealot not to be trusted. Um, no, that makes you trustworthy <laughs> that that's what it's all about let me see here uh speaker mike johnson he's a tough cookie a tough cookie the right man in the right place cut 21 please 
I think it's been a failed presidency, and all the problems, some of the those that you've articulated already at the outset of the program here, uh, are, were caused by policy choices. And that's the problem I have with them. It's, it's philosophical. Mm, all right. Uh, let's see if he uh, – give me the next one. Absolutely. We have a two-tiered system of justice, and that, that erodes the people's faith in our system of justice itself. And this is what I reminded Merrick Garland when he was in front of us, the attorney general, Christopher Wray at the FBI. The greatest threat here is not these individual issues. It's that the people are losing their faith in our system of justice. And, Sean, you cannot maintain a constitutional republic, a government of, by, and for the people if the people doubt that the system is fair. You know, If they believe there's two tiers of justice, then the system doesn't work at all. And so I think Garland's been a great threat. I think he's the worst attorney general in the history of the United States. Uh, Good for him. Good for him. Uh, He's not the most fiery guy, although he's great on cross-examination when he's getting these witnesses up there. He's not going to be doing too much of that stuff, right? Because he's going to be managing the whole damn process. But I think he has an eye on what this means for everybody. A lot of these congressional leaders, they get wrapped up in the process. They get wrapped up in the institution. You know, who's Mitch McConnell's always talking about the Senate as if it's like, I don't know, this, this, uh, Joe Biden does that too. Ooh, the Senate, the Senate. I'm a Senate man. We don't care about your traditions. We don't care about the, the gavel. We don't care about those paintings on the wall. We care about getting things done or not done. We care about you guys getting out of our lives. You know, they ripped Jim Jordan. Well, he hasn't passed enough laws. Well, you know what? We don't necessarily need more laws. I think we got, uh, how many laws do we have right now? Seven trillion? Seven trillion different laws. Do we really need? These aren't just, they call them lawmakers. Not necessarily. They're representatives. They want to represent my interests. And right now, I don't want any new laws. All right? I don't want any, I want the laws that we have enforced. You can enforce them regarding guns and certainly enforce them regarding Joe Biden. Hello? Uh, those guys, ooh, dirty deeds. And they were not done dirt cheap. I'll be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, there's a new guy running for president, and uh, good for him. Good for him. I know he's a Democrat. He's a liberal. I don't like him. He hates Trump. But I actually am getting a kick out of this, and I think it's he's, he's, he's not a bad guy. He's not bad in the sense that he's a Democrat, and he's running against Joe Biden because Joe Biden is Joe Biden. This guy knows, it's like, hello, everybody can see that this guy can't be president any longer. We've got to run somebody. For the past couple of months, he's been trying to get people uh, to run, you know, people more significant, quite frankly, than he is politically. He's a congressman from uh, Minnesota, I think, and he hasn't even been there that long. So, I mean, who the hell is this guy? Uh, He's not that significant, but he's 
doing it. He's going for it. And good for him. You know, somebody's got to do it. And I, again, he's liberal. I would vote against him. But at least, look, everybody can see that Joe Biden is terrible. And um, the party has such discipline, though. It's like party over country, party over country with the Democrats. They're that scared of, um, I don't know, what could happen. You know, they'll, they'll primary him. They're going to primary him. They're going to get some de- other Democrats to run against him in the House of Representatives, right? They're going to smear his family. They're going to do all kinds of opposition research. They probably already have done it. They're going to uh, unleash all that stuff. Uh, and they're going to try to destroy him in a million different other ways. Um, if he catches on, then, oh, it's going to get really, really hot. All right, then they'll be all out. I mean, my gosh, it'll be like... I don't know. They'll, they'll try to uh, politically assassinate the guy. Uh, but what's his name again? Uh, Phillips. Dean Phillips. And uh, he's, a, he's a rich dude. He made a fortune in the gelato business. Gelato. And also in the liquor business. Hey, whatever. Uh, how much is he worth here? Net worth of $77 million. Wow. What would you do if he had $77 million? That's a lot of cash, huh? Number one, car and driver. Absolutely. Full-time car and driver. And I'd make him wear a hat. Do we have any of this uh, sound? I want to hear this guy. Yeah? Yes, no? Okay. This is Dean Phillips, and he announced it today. Go ahead. Are you running for president? I am. I have to. I think President Biden has done a spectacular job for our country. But it's not about the past. This is an election about the future. Uh... All right. He didn't exactly do it at a big rally or anything like that. That was it. The announcement. Hmm. Uh, again, okay. Anybody who thinks Joe Biden's done a good job also has got to screw. I told you, I don't support this guy, but I like that he's doing it. I like that he's trying. All right. If you were a Democrat and you had some ability for the good, for the good of the country and you can be opposed to Donald Trump and his policies. I understand that. That's okay. It's harder and harder to explain because if you really look at Donald Trump's policies, they are just common sense and desperately needed. This guy think we need more trans activism in uh, middle school? I don't know. Uh, that's what these people stand for. Let me hear a little bit more from this guy. Dean Phillips. He's 54 years old. He's a congressman in Minnesota, and he's running for president as a Democrat. Has done a spectacular job for our country. Oh. But it's not about the past. This is an election about the future. I will not sit still. I will not be quiet in the face of numbers that are so clearly saying that we're going to be facing an emergency next November. Uh, okay. He's right. He's right. Oh, somebody dropped out of the race for president. Did you know Larry Elder was running? He's a pretty impressive guy. He's a talk show host, uh, uh, Larry Elder. He's a lawyer, too. Uh, I like him a lot. And uh, but he was running as a Republican and he's already endorsed Trump. He, he didn't make any of the debates. Larry Elder, you see him on Fox uh, and other places uh, a lot. Uh, Larry ain't doing it anymore. Uh, no big deal. Happy Friday. Does it make any difference? Happy Friday. It's strangely mild outside in the most peculiar way. 
Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, that guy, the 40-year-old uh, mass shooter up there, his name is Card, has not been found. There's a good chance he committed suicide. We're not sure about that. He's been in the Army for 20 years. Uh, Army superiors knew he was a bit crazy. They tried to have him committed. He was committed for a short period of time. Uh, what else about this guy? You know, my bottom line on this thing is more people with guns uh, could have prevented this. And, yeah, I know. Somebody called yesterday and said, well, what if you miss or what if you shoot somebody by accident? You know, I'd rather be sued than dead. All right. More guns and start listening to the NRA, not demonizing the NRA. OK, Jeff in Manhattan. Hello. Hey, Greg, I might not get too much airtime, but I listen to uh, a lot of the hosts. Well, what do you mean by that, Jeff? What, what do you mean you may not get too much airtime? Number one, you're just a caller. You don't get too much airtime by definition. I mean, I take it you're going to say something you think is controversial and I'm going to hang up on you? Possibly. That, all right. Well, all right. So I got a note here. Here, Wait a second. You want to talk about some documentary, The War in Gaza? Let me guess. It's a very pro-Hamas, pro-terrorist, and it's designed to make me weep and cry for all the children, right? It's called Born. So, something along those lines? Pretty much? Born. Pretty much. Are you on the side of the uh, – have you been to Gaza, by the way? Have you ever been there? You? Yes, I have, have actually. Okay. So I have so friends Jeff, that live Jeff, in Gaza. Jeff, 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 Jeff. Uh, your friends who live in Gaza, do they support Hamas? Hamas is an Azuri. All right, all right. Do they, do, they, do they support Hamas? Are they, are they part no, of the they 68%? No, they don't. They don't. So you're, they're in the, the minority that don't support the terrorists. Because it's a very small yeah. minority that don't support the terrorists. Yeah. Very small. And we know this how. It's very small. Anyway, um, where are you going to be when the ground invasion uh, happens? You going to watch it? I want to know if you've watched. You going to watch it? In Gaza. I have not Born watched a movie. I haven't seen a movie since uh, what's the hell the last movie I saw? Oppenheimer. Did you see that one? I left after the bomb went off. I left. I couldn't. The, the the test bomb in New Mexico. Jeff, thanks for calling, but uh, I really have no no patience uh, whatsoever for uh, your point of view. Tom in New Jersey. Hello. He was right about that. He got no airtime. <laughs> uh, hello, Tom. Greg, Greg I got to tell you, I, when I can listen in the daytime, I do. At nights, I always watch. Uh, my first thing is, God bless your father. Wish you were back. Uh, uh, number two, going to your last point, Hamas, Palestine is not a country. Uh, Hamas is a client terrorist organization. I don't even want to hear about uh, uh, President Biden holding back Bibi. No, you got to do what you got to do. And these really bad things happen. And they've got to keep happening. They got to crush Hamas, crush Hezbollah, and then say to Iran, we're here. We're here now. What are you going to do? That's my stance on that. Well, you know, look, who the hell are the Bidens to be lecturing anybody about foreign policy? Now, you got to be a little bit careful, although you got to do smack them around. Hey, we smacked them around a little bit. I don't think you call it smacking them around. What We lobbed a couple of uh, bombs, missiles at uh, a couple of uh, Syrian uh, terror groups that were harassing our guys over there. Not much. But one thing you don't want to do, I mean, maybe behind the scenes you want to do it, but you can't do it publicly. Do you remember when Bush said... Uh, my answer to them is bring it on, bring it on. What do you, what's your message yeah. to the terrorists, sir? And he said, bring it on. Remember that? There you go. Yeah. Well, you no, 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 no. There you don't go. All right. Because, uh, they brought it on and, uh, you know, we were in Iraq, we were in a quagmire, we were in such a, 
hideous morass for a long time, and he made it worse with those silly fighting words. You know, I mean, he was spoiling for a fight. We never should have been in that fight. So there's a time and a place for bring it on. And maybe, maybe, maybe we're there. Maybe we're there. I, uh, man, I'm sick of Iran for how long has it been? 1979, 1979. That's when they took our guys, 1979. And by the way, we have a role in that. We have a role in that. We actually got rid of the democratically elected guy back in the 1950s. For whatever reason, the CIA was always sticking its nose into places it should not have been involved. You know, if there was some really bad dude, but he said, I'll take money from you instead of the Soviet Union. We were like all in. We fell in love with him. What was his name? Ravad, Razi, Pavlov, something like that. The Shah. The Shah. And uh-huh. uh, we, we sided with that guy and got not much out of it, in my opinion. And um, they ultimately deposed the Shah. If we had not installed the Shah, we might not be in, in the trouble we're in right now. Uh, not that we're in trouble, but we could fix it. We could end it real soon. Anyway, Tom, what do you do for a living? I'm retired, Greg. Good for you. Retired as what? I was a consultant, had a good career, financial. It was nice. You know, I uh, my kids went to school and everything. Excellent, 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 excellent. Um, retirement. Yeah, must be. Uh, it sounds like you're enjoying it, right? I'm a, I'm a, you know what, Greg? In a sense, I am. But I see where the country is going. I see where it's going. And I am not going to be feeling so bad if I die before this is all over. But if Biden is there, we have a big problem. Wait a second. You're not going to feel bad if you die. What? Uh, if and Biden is there, uh, it's I'm not going to feel bad if you die. I'm not going to feel bad if uh, uh, Biden is still there when I die. You're not going to feel bad. You mean like I don't get it. Uh... Well, here's what I mean. This country is going really in a bad direction. A horrible direction. So you're like happy really that bad. you're about to die. You're going to die sooner rather than later, so you wouldn't have to be around for it, right? I good. That's exactly right. Oh man, I what kind of attitude advice. is that? What about your kids? The kids you work so hard to send to school and their kids. Greg, I I got someone. I got a daughter that gets it, and a and a uh, and a woke daughter. And this is just out there. Well, listen, you got to kick ass. You got to do your thing. You got to do your part right up until the le- very last breath you got, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, you got to think about the, the follow on generations. I plan to be around for another, uh, you know, 50, 70 years if uh, my family has strict instructions to keep me alive at all costs. Tom, anyway, thank you very much. You live a good life, but you got a lot of life left. So don't pack it in just yet. Thank you so much. All right. You bet. You bet. Hey, um, the National Rifle Association, good people. You would never know it. Boy, oh boy, the way they talk about these people on the TV. Um, Listen to this guy. I couldn't believe it. Cut, cut 27. Cut 27. BT had a nice little dinner the other night with my new best what friend. What the hell William is this? Mayo. It says like a commercial. No, cut 27. Cut 27. No, all right. You go back to the library. Anyway, there was this guy talking about the National Rifle Association, like it was some cult that kills children on purpose. And I was so offended by Oh, here we go. Yeah. Cut 27. All right. Yeah. That 27. The NRA is is a gun worshiping cult that sacrifices American children to the god of gun ownership. They are about as evil as anything that has ever happened in this country. 
I mean, talk about Trump derangement syndrome, NRA derangement syndrome. And I went, I looked at everything they do, everything they do. The National Rifle Association, I'd be shocked if in the last year, uh, I, I almost guarantee, well, this guy may have been an NRA member. Most, uh, most murderers who use firearms, 99.9999999% of them, are not in the NRA. The NRA is not about that. The NRA is about responsible gun ownership. Go to their website. They'll teach you how to shoot, how to aim, how to hit your target, and not how to hit the one-year-old boy by accident in the backyard barbecue, as happens all too much. Give me one more of this nonsense. Cut 25. You have a Congress, uh, a House run by Republicans, uh, who almost certainly will not take up any safety measure in the days ahead. Let's work together to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. We don't have standards across this country to make it harder for people um, to access guns. It's all so predictable. After every mass shooting, everybody they all say the same thing, and nobody talks about real solutions. Real things that could help. And one of the big ones, um, the drugs, the drugs that are all over the place. Uh, people are popping pills like never before, especially children. And we see that there is there seems to be a correlation between, well, the explosion of psychotropic drugs for children, adolescents, 20 somethings and these mass shootings. Uh, we don't talk about that because the pharmaceutical companies are so big and powerful. They pay for all the commercials. They pay for all the advertising. Nobody wants to take them on. Uh, so you look for people, you know, your own size. And then there is this, uh, boy, Joe Biden, he really does. He's getting stupider. Cut 26. We have to fully implement the most significant gun safety law in nearly 30 years and then pass again the assault weapons ban. Of course, Diane and I passed. No excuse. God's name needs a weapon with 100 rounds in a chamber. All right. There's no weapon in the world, I think, that's ever been created that has more than one round in the chamber. One round in the chamber, right? It's one round in the chamber. He, he doesn't know what he's talking about. The regular person on the regular street knows more about guns, especially anybody who owns a gun. Like my friend Jerry up in Michigan, this guy, ooh, he shut down Joe Biden. It was a beautiful thing. And Joe got so mad, started insulting him, started challenging him into a fight. It was so great. I mean, this guy who wears a hard hat, who's just a construction dude, knew more about weapons and also had more grace, more class, more savoir faire than the president of the United States. Hey, is stupider a word? I like saying it. I think it's somehow, I, I, I feel like it's probably not a word, but somehow it does the job a bit more effectively. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's do uh, uh, Mike and Wayne, yeah. No? All right, never mind. Andrew in Stanhope, hello. Hey, how's it going? Just wanted to mention I was offended by um, Mike Johnson when he said his 14-year-old son, who's black, has a harder time or will have a harder time than his 14-year-old. We're not talking about that white. right now. So what, what what are you talking about right now? Can I talk about that? Because I prepared for that. Well, but with the gun, prepared you know, for that? You did homework for that? I mean, now you got to introduce the whole thing again, all right? Look, don't pick apart what some guy said. You know, look, he adopted a black teenager. That's to be commended, all right? He has every he 
adopted a 14-year-old black child. He happens to be white, all right? And I understand what you're getting at. I know about the comments. Just cut him some slack, all right? So six years ago, he didn't say the perfect thing. He didn't say something that you agree with six years ago. Just let it go, all right? He did an amazing thing. He adopted a black child. It's it's an amazing thing to adopt a white child. Adoption's an amazing thing. Choose life, all right? I don't want to nitpick what he said in some podcast 17 years ago. I I just don't want to do that. So don't do that, please. And every Okay, I'll change topics. Everything that left does turns to crap. Like with more gun control, I would excellent, you know, be for it. But does their policies ever work in any way? Like name one of their policies that works. The teachers union, did that make the schools better? You know, their big uh, government programs broke up the family. So what actually works? that the left um, implements. I hear you, Andrew. All that stuff makes a lot of sense to me. Thank you very much. Uh, when are you getting back into the TV game? You uh, He used to work in television news, actually, this guy, for a, for a long time. All right, we'll follow up with that and give me one moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Anti-Semitic attacks and hate speech up 388%. According to the Anti-Defamation League, 388%. And it's in, they're in total denial. The White House and the media refuses to acknowledge this. Yet they pretend that white supremacy is taking over the country. I see this Trey Yinks guy. He keeps telling me it's uh, it's really intense wherever he is, but he's always just standing there, except when he's diving for cover. You can't win with me, Bob Brown. I mean, he's either doing too much or not doing enough. Maybe I'm too tough. Maybe I'm being a jerk. Well, it sounds like, from your point of view, he's not doing enough. I mean, I don't know. And I'm we're talking of... about Biden, of course. No, I'm talking, oh, about, that... talking about I'm talking about that correspondent on TV oh, right there. Oh, okay. I didn't. I thought you're watching the war, and I'm watching the. War. I didn't know who you were talking. I just walked in, so he's, I didn't know you were talking. So about. he's covering the. Uh, he's covering uh, the the war in Gaza, right? That's we're about to see a ground invasion. And he's on. I'm surprised they don't have more people over there. And I no. also. Do oh, it. I think the opposite. No. What do you mean? I think I see a lot of people over there. No. Uh, not on Fox. I think Aaron Burnett's been there for like two weeks. I'm talking about Fox. Aaron Burnett. Oh, just, but she is an. Oh outright, no, I don't know. <laughs> she is an outright. <laughs> wait a minute. Before we do that, are Aaron Burnett. Rules? I got I got Aaron Burnett is a total and complete liar. An unbelievable, I can't believe that she is actually CNN, the least trusted name in news. Don't forget that. They are awful. And they are totally pro-terrorist. Mm. Totally, mm. in my opinion. But just going back to the the point of the original question, it just seems to me I notice on TV and all the channels that a lot of people seem to be over there. No? I mean, I, I, a lot of people, I mean, they come and go. No? Right now on Fox, it's just this guy. All the time, it seems like. I guess they have some morning guy. Uh, I don't know. This is not. Oh, this it seems not... like the hosts are going over now. It's not just the correspondents. What's this guy over here on CNN next to Anderson Cooper? He's uh, Jake Tapper. Is that his name? Yeah. They're... So they're sending now the anchors there too with the with the correspondents. I'm, I'm noticing that's yeah. a little bit different. Uh, yeah, they're in Tel Aviv, which is safe, which is relatively safe. I mean, it's not, and they're not embedding. I don't think they're going to go in for the ground invasion as well. Um, you know, you can be in Israel. You know, my in-laws were actually in Israel when on October 7th, when it all mm-hmm. went down. Mm-hmm. They left a couple of days later on a regularly scheduled flight. 
So, you know, you can actually go around and do your groceries and stuff like that. Right. Although I think they, they, all school is called well, off. Well, you, you've talked to Noam. Actually, his, not in a while. Yeah, no, his, uh, his brother lives in Haifa. Uh, his dad had been visiting here for a while. He finally got a flight back a couple of days ago. And, uh, but he talks to his brother again, uh, and he asks what's, and his brother says, well, it's something, you just go to work. And, uh, it's like almost like a normal day. Now he's away from the fighting. He's away from the action. It's in the northern part of Israel. So, um, but, uh, yeah, uh, it depends who you talk to and where they are, I guess. Well, uh, what's going on locally that we should know about? Uh, I think what you said originally when I walked in, just the anti Semitic incidents are just on the rise here in New York. And, and, are you Jewish, uh, by the way? Half. My father was Jewish. Huh. My mother's Sicilian Italian. And how were you brought up? Catholic. What did your dad have to say about that? Uh, he was cool. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, I'll tell you a little story. <clears throat> excuse me here. When they got married, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, just had lunch. My, um, my mother asked him, well, how do you, what would you want to raise the kids? How would you want the kids? And my father was a lot, a lot older than my mom. He came from a different generation. He came from the Depression and all that really, you know, hard times. Right. He was an adult in the Depression, not even just a kid. How old's, uh, my God. Oh, yeah. oh 16 years older than my mother. Uh-huh. Which is not a heck of a lot, but still. But anyway, he would, she said, what would you prefer? And my father said, and he said, his answer was, you know what? Raise them Catholic because it'll be a hell of a lot easier on them in life. He came from a different generation, though. There was, there was, there was anti-Semitism against Jews back in those days. You couldn't, it was hard to get a job back in those days being Jewish. That's why so many, Jews changed their names. So when they were applying for work or applying for housing, they took the steam off the gold or whatever. It was a, it was a whole it was a whole different world back then with, with Jews. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, it, it wasn't easy. It was a lot of it was a lot of anti-Semitism, a lot of discrimination against Jews in the twenties, thirties, and forties. Still is today. Nothing's changed, but. That was his answer. It changed. I thought it changed, and then I've, I've had like cold water in the face. It's everywhere. It's it's so deeply embedded, and it's disgusting. And after you know, I thought we were more enlightened. You know, I thought people were more enlightened. This is you know never again. I remember learning that in the seventies. Never again. And uh, well, that that turned out to just be a phrase. And what's what's different too is is the anti-Israeli protests are taking place here in New York. You'd never, I've, you would never see that in the seventies or the eighties. Never, never. It's a whole different ballgame. You now. wouldn't see that in the seventies or the eighties. I 80s? never saw an anti-Israeli protest in the seventies or in eighties in New York. No, no. But you see it now. You see it now. You see it now. It's a different world. People. What happened? <clears throat> What's the difference? I, Why people, now? Because people, people have immigrated to the city, New York, from all over the world, from the Middle East. Uh, Palestinian populations, so many sects of the Muslim population have moved here. Asian Americans, everyone. It's so now there's a population of the Palestinians, right? There are a Palestinian population right now in the U.S. and here in New York. So I guess, you know, the Palestinian people have something to say and you have to respect that, I guess. Look, you can have any political viewpoint you want. The moment you link up with terrorists and start supporting terrorists, uh, that's a big problem. And uh, unfortunately, though, I mean, it's it's hard to see the the other side of the picture. But they're Palestinians. There's a, many Palestinians are not terrorists. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm talking people who live here. I'm talking people. Wait, sure, but I have to tell you the the sympathies that I've seen expressed and ripping down of those 
photos of the hostages and uh i've seen the israeli flag desecrated uh, this is oh uh, no i'm not i am not condoning that one iota it's terrible it's awful it's awful well it seems like a strange new world it's a new world it's a totally different world and i said i i've never seen this before you've never you would never have seen this 20 30 30 years ago 40 years ago in the city never well it's awful and uh we may have a great big fight on our hands, and uh, we're going to win. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. <laughs> ah, poor George Santos, the Republican from Long Island. I like him. I'm actually kind of friendly with him. I know he's uh, probably lied about this, that, and the other thing. He's confessed to some. One thing he told me, I think it was on this show, he lied about going to college. I said, well, why'd you do that? He said, well, I wouldn't have got the nomination if I didn't tell them I went to college. Um, he may have uh, screwed over some people in business. We don't know. He's been charged with all kinds of things, fraud. He just had to enter another plea, guilt, not guilty. George Santos pleads not guilty. He is surrounded. I see him walking down the hall. He is surrounded by about 75 uh, members of the press. I mean, it, it's almost like he's a head of state. I mean, from a small country because you can't get that close to a president, but there's the media fascination with this guy. And I understand it to some degree. Yet a far more significant story because we don't know. We don't know really, uh, what the hell George Santos did or didn't do. What's the truth and what's not. We don't. We hear the allegations. We read the New York Times. You know, we, t- we know he told some fibs. We, I read about an ex-boyfriend who's all upset. I don't know. I don't know this person. I don't know. I've never seen him. I'm reading about him. I don't know. Did George steal $10,000 from him? I don't know. I mean, this is what this guy's alleging. I don't know. I do know that Jamal Bowman, that crazy congressman from the Bronx, I know he pulled the fire alarm. We have the proof. It's right here. He pulled a fire alarm. Now, you can be arrested for that. And he's actually admitting it. He's admitting it. And the funny thing is, though, he he gets off easy by admitting that. He's not admitting to obstructing Congress, which they're throwing January 6th people in for like, you know, a decade. So here's Jamal Bowman. This guy must be expelled, must be censured, must be I mean, give him detention or something, right? <laughs> uh, Jamal Bowman trying to explain his way out of this. Go ahead. What do you say to folks who say it's just not believable that you would think a red fire alarm was an exit? How could you possibly get that mixed up? Yeah, I mean, it's all good. You know, they could have their opinion about, no, I was in a rush to get to my vote. And I tried the door. It didn't work. So I pulled the alarm thinking it would open. That didn't work. So I went downstairs. It was a dumb choice. Um, but, you know. It is what it is. I take full responsibility for it. And now uh trying to move on, just do my job. I'm not trying to disrupt any, you know, official government proceedings. So I'm glad, you know, the uh, investigation found that that was the case. Why would you think a fire alarm would get you out of the door? Listen, you know, I tried the door. It says it's emergency exit. You push on it, it would open. I tried that. It didn't work. And uh, I tried the alarm to draw the door. I've done that in other places, and it worked. It just didn't work this time. The lawmaker from New York is expected to plead guilty after being charged with falsely pulling the fire alarm at a congressional office building. Listen, at the end of the day, I wasn't trying to prevent a vote or shut down the government or do anything. It was a bad decision. It was a mistake. Took responsibility for it. You know, I don't know why it's gotten this much attention. You know, we got to focus on doing our job. That's the most important thing. 
It actually hasn't gotten enough attention. You heard that was like Cheddar News Nightly. It doesn't make the nightly news. It doesn't make the world news tonight with Pretty Boy David Muir. David Pretty Boy Muir doesn't make the big shows. It makes the little shows. That guy is a threat. What if there was a real fire? He was in the Congress. What if the Senate was on fire and all the fire trucks went to the wrong place? That's what they told us in school. If you pulled one of those things in school, you would be expelled automatically. Automatically, you'd get in major trouble. That's a congressman that is so punishable. But they won't, and they won't even cover it adequately. That is something else. Jamal Bowman. Let's see if we can talk to him. All right, let's get him on the phone. Uh, he's a local area congressman. We uh, we talk to them from time to time, and I think we all deserve an explanation. Yes, yes. Um, Senator Susan Collins is talking about this uh, this guy on the loose up there. I worry about her health sometimes, but look, she's on the right side here. She sounds a little shaky, but she's uh, she's good. And this is the worst thing that happened up there in Maine. And this is Senator Susan Collins, a Republican in name only, but. She's doing good right now. We're pulling for her and all the people up there. Cut nine. This heinous attack, which has robbed the lives of at least 18 Mainers and injured so many more, is the worst mass shooting that the state of Maine has ever experienced. Wow. Did they call Maine Mainers? Did you hear that? They call them Mainers, New Yorkers, I understand. I never heard that before. Rick in Mount Vernon, hello. I hear you. I know, me too. Watch that language. Viviana in Brooklyn, hello. Hey, Greg, thank you for taking my call. Um, Bowman, I'm from the Bronx. Bowman should be expelled, and that's all I'll say about that. I am calling because I feel that the mayor is being irresponsible in uh, having uh, all of these uh, pro-Hamas uh, rallies, because it looks like the same group is just going from 42nd Street to Brooklyn. Now they're going to go down Eastern Parkway tomorrow, Greg, on the Shabbat for for the uh, Jewish uh, people in, in their area. And then they allow the people that come to these rallies to throw rocks, throw eggs, and uh, to spit on our, our our finest. The mayor is being irresponsible. I don't care. He's allowing people that want, uh, frust- uh, frust- frustrate the situation to continue to rally from different places in New York. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. I think he's facilitating all this stuff. And it started with de Blasio. You know, if you wanted to protest something, you, you you show up in front of a building, you know, you protest on the sidewalk. Maybe you go to a park. Maybe you go to City Hall. Maybe you go uh, downtown to, um, uh, you know, the federal building and you protest in front of it. Under the block, they just let you take over things. They let you take over things. Like, yeah, you can take over the damn whole bridge. You can take over this. You can take over that. I think we need to push back a little bit, not facilitate it. They shut down Third Avenue the other night. Shut it down. And it looked like the police weren't trying to prevent it. They were, like, facilitating. Yeah, this is freedom of speech. We have to do it. This is the orders from the mayor. No, you don't. Freedom of speech doesn't mean you can block my freedom of movement. You can speak on the sidewalk. 
speak on the sidewalk. Whatever happened to that? They are shutting down. I remember de Blasio. When he and, and Bratton, for that matter, allowed a bunch of maniacs who were upset. What were they upset about? I can't remember. Oh, Danielle Pentaleo uh, and Eric Garner, right? They shut down the FDR. They shut down the Brooklyn Bridge. They shut down the Manhattan Bridge. I'm like, <laughs> what? Hello? Safety? Order? So I think you're a thousand percent right, Viviana. Are you Jewish, by the way? More comment? Yeah, sure. Are you Jewish? Uh, I'm very small percentage of Jewish. Right. I'm a, a Christian, and uh, I do value our Jewish brothers and sisters. Uh, I wanted to make another comment. We have an opportunity to get out all of these city council people, uh, go early voting. Uh, the majority of them did a vote to uh reduce the uh, indemnity of the police and also defund the police. Let's get them back that way too, Greg. Yeah, I know. That's an uphill fight. I have no idea who my councilman is. Who's your councilman? Uh, mine, uh, he's doing really good. He's in Staten Island. And he's he's a, he's a Republican and he's doing well. Is right it, now I'm just it, a little nervous. But I, I don't remember his name. Yeah, I know Clark. what you mean. Clark, Clark. Mm. These Clark. people, they, I don't know. I don't know. I know. I love, it's unbelievable how the um, the Democrats have such a uh, stranglehold on this city. How many Republicans are there in the um, in the, um, in the city council? Right, four, five. Um, it's way too small. We need more. This is one party. This is like communist rule, Viviana. And I can't stand that. It shouldn't be like that. Thank you very much. You know what I mean, Adam? This is one party. I know you're probably in that party. You're always calling up with a different point of view, and that's fine. But I think we need more give and take here in the city. One party. One. That's like Russia. That's like the Soviet Union. One party. Like China. One party. What's up? Well, you can't say, you know, you're pro-police and then you, 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 you don't want the FBI. You want to fund the FBI and all that. Republicans do that. They don't. They don't want the FBI to be investigating Trump. They want Trump to get over for his crimes. Oh Jesus! But they want to march. Hey Adam, Adam. You know what, Adam? Now you're. You know, you used to be somewhat interesting when you called with your complaint. Now, I mean, this is very lazy of you, right? I mean, this is just. Come on, come on, come on. You got to do better. You got to help me out here, right? Come on. This is. This is. You can do better than that. All right. You. We don't. Adam. Ah, gosh. You disappoint me, Adam. I give you all kinds of courtesy, this, that, and the other thing, and then you, you try that. You try that. All right. You got one more uh, chance. Just, what else? What? Show. I'm listening to your show. No, Adam, Adam, um, first of all, we haven't talked about the FBI today, although, however, we should defund them. <laughs> they de- need to be totally rebranded, thrown out. You know, Adam, there is a, such a thing as the deep state. I mean, I know what you're trying to do. That The left, oh, look at this. You're undermining. Well, no, we're not. These people, they colluded with, they colluded with the Democrat Party with Hillary Clinton to prevent Trump from being elected in 2016. They did it. We have the proof. We have the text messages. We have it. We've seen it all. And they can still walk around. They laugh at us. They laugh at us. And you call in defending all that stuff. I get it. You're a victim of the mainstream media and they are everywhere. If you sit around and listen to them, uh, when you drive your bus, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're just, they're everywhere. If you don't make a proactive step, take a proactive step to, 
to hear something else, to actually read the primary source documents. You know what you should do? Read the indictment of Trump. Read the indictment. Forget the real housewives. Forget Dancing with the Stars. Not you, Adam, but forget all that that stuff, those distractions. Read the indictment and then send a check to Trump or get on social media or write a letter to uh, Jack Smith at the Justice Department. This is they're taking our country and, you know, they just might. But at the end of the day, I, you know, we have to do something. And if it's just write a letter, give some money. We're not asking you to camp out all night like the, the, the Patriots during the revolution. You know, just just a little something. All right. We got to we got to help. Diego, what can we do? Money. I, I what, what can we do? We can give money. We can um, we can post on social media. We can write letters. We can call these guys on the phone. Is there anything else? I feel like those are they, they seem inadequate, although they are they're better than it sounds. Actually, that's a lot. That's democracy right there. What fundraising else? Event? What of some sort? Fundraising uh, event? Hold an event. Get with Barbara. Barbara's always out there doing something. We got to move the needle in the real world. I can't just watch this stuff on TV and watch it unfold and watch our country go down the tubes. And they're fooling good people like Adam. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We think that guy in uh, Maine was really out of his head or was he just full of uh, hate? They say he was hearing voices. The voices told him to do it. Uh, You know, for a long time, I really did not care about the gun issue. It wasn't my issue. I got to shoot guns in the Marine Corps. I was like, okay with guns. I didn't uh, I didn't feel like I needed the gun in my regular life. But uh, now more than ever, my gosh, the Second Amendment, I have had an awakening uh, for a couple of reasons. Yes, it is in part to keep the government in check. Uh, This is we, the citizens, they won't mess with us if we're well armed, if we're well armed. Now, there's nothing right now that they can do, but if they go further with this absorption of power, the constant seeking of more and more power, more and more authority. It scares me. And our great founding fathers, they anticipated that, and that's why we have the Second Amendment, in addition to just being able to protect ourselves for our physical safety, our property. And, um, you know, you look at the response time for these with the cops. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if they get there in two minutes, seven minutes, uh, 90 seconds, so much damage can be done while you're sitting around waiting for the cops. And, yeah, if you engage one of these mass shooters, you might hit the wrong person. You might make a mistake. We'd rather we'd rather be sued than be dead. Tom on Long Island. Hello. Hey, Greg. How are you? So, you know, our legislators think by creating more laws and more controls and taking our guns away, it's going to solve the problem. We have plenty of those things in place. How about we start enforcing the laws? Here in New York, it's not uncommon for someone to be caught with a gun. Instead of getting a mandatory one-year sentence, they plea bargain it down to something to a misdemeanor, let them go. And a good example is a guy, a teenager was caught with fourth time having guns in the Bronx a couple years ago. And the judge sentenced him to write an essay why guns are bad for your community. How does that teach people that it's wrong to have guns? And if we get the proliferation of guns out of the bad people's hands, 
maybe we'll have less gun violence going on in our community. I, I don't know, man. Look, I, I, you know, sometimes the gun laws in New York are a little bit over the top. Do you remember when Plaxico Burris had that gun and he shot himself in the leg by accident? He shot himself in the leg and he went to jail for a year. He actually went to jail, the Plaxico Burris from the Jets. Now, that same weekend, that very same weekend, Vice President Dick Cheney shot a guy in the face with a shotgun. He shot a guy in the face. And he doesn't get arrested. He goes right back to being Vice President of the United States. I still can't fathom that. You know, he accidentally shot himself, Plaxico, in the leg. And he goes to jail for a year. Dick Cheney shoots a guy in the face and nothing happens to him. It's just it's 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 just mind blowing. It really is weird. I'm all about legal gun ownership. Legal. It's got to be legal. However, in New York, they've made it, quite frankly, way too tough. And that dimwit Governor Hochul. Right. You can't have one. They came up with a bunch of regulations. Okay, we'll make it easy for you to get a gun, but you can't bring it. You can't bring it to Times Square. You can't bring it to any kind of public venue. You can't bring it to any kind of entertainment. You you can't bring it anywhere where there just might be a mass shooting. But, Tom, I know you've thought about this issue before. Thank you. Steve in Brooklyn. Well, if you're going to be like that, we won't put you on the air. Mike in Bayside. Hi. I voted for uh, Santos twice now. I don't want to lose his vote in in the House of Representatives because he's voting right. In the meantime, Bowman, he pulled that uh, fire alarm. He cleared out 435 representatives who were going to vote on on extremely important issues. The Newsmax TV station just reported that, that fact. Why hasn't anybody in the media shown all of the House of Representatives exiting the the chambers that day? All right. Thank you. Uh, I don't know if they did, actually. I don't know if they did. I'll, I'll be back on that. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Guys, nobody told us. We have more than few thousand people who signed a signature here who said no. We said no. Tensions escalate on the southwest side as the city gets closer to housing at least 2,000 migrants at a base camp in Brighton Park. Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Scott Schneider. And I'm Don Hasbrook. That encampment is slated for a vacant lot at 38th in California, but a meeting tonight grew heated when residents divided on the plan. Casey Cronus is live from Pelly High School with the latest. This is in Chicago. Hey, Don and Scott. Well, residents say they only found out about the plan when they saw construction crews working at the site. Tonight, they were calling for transparency, but it's something many of them feel they didn't get when the meeting reached capacity and they weren't allowed in. We could even hear the pounding on the doors from inside. Yeah. A line down the block shows just how much residents wanted in on the conversation. But a full auditorium meant the crowd stuck outside, never got a seat at the table. Good stuff, huh? This is Chicago, and they are as fired up as we are here. Um, 
Staten Island throughout the city. I mean, please just come here legally. Don't come here and steal all of our stuff or get freebies. Um, too bad, too bad. You know, June 20, what was that? June of 2021 selected a bum to be the mayor because nobody really selected. Nobody was available. Everybody was checked out. That's just the way they want it. That's just the way they want us all checked out thinking about other stuff. Hey, here's a great guy with an idea. Cut the salary of everybody from the cabinet secretaries to the president of the United States. Check this out. Yeah. Mr. Norman and a member opposed each will control five minutes. The chair recognizes the gentleman from South Carolina. Thank you, Madam Speaker. My amendment cuts the salary of the Secretary of the Department of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, to a dollar. The job that she has done is far below standard uh, by any measure. Um, She testified and promoted a company in Greenville, my state, not in my district, but my state, that she was a former board member on and requested funds from the from the American taxpayer. And I've learned now with, with bureaucrats who make wrong decisions, the only way you deal with them is cut their salary. And uh, I would recommend that her salary be cut to a dollar. I- well done, sir. Well done. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this has no chance of actually happening. Uh, it had to get out of the House, which it could, but then it would have to go to the Senate, and it's uh, it actually had to be signed into law. They can't do this. They just can't do this on their own. And it's a shame. Why would anybody want to be a member of Congress, actually? What a pain in the neck job. You only get it for two years. You constantly have to raise money. You constantly have to look over your shoulder. Somebody else wants that job desperately, but researching you, going through your garbage cans, trying to find out dirt about you, and then putting it on TV. Can you imagine somebody raising money? So they could do commercials about you that were negative, right? Hey, you heard about that guy who tried to uh, shut down the engines on the Alaska air flight? Well, everyone who knows him says he's a great guy, uh, and they can't believe what happened, although they do say he was depressed. The wife of the off-duty Alaska Airlines pilot accused of trying to crash a plane after taking magic mushrooms has insisted he never would have knowingly tried to harm anyone on the flight. Uh, from the Post, Sarah Stretch supported her husband, Joseph Emerson, that's her name, Stretch, who's 44 on Thursday for her first, his first appearance in federal court in Portland, Oregon, where he pleaded not guilty and waived his right to a preliminary hearing. This is not my Joe. This is not the Joe anybody knows, Stretch said of her pilot husband, whose charges include 83 counts of attempted murder. This is not the man that I married, she told reporters at his appearance. I don't know how to explain it, but it wasn't him. She tearfully said that her husband was struggling with depression, but never would have knowingly done any of that. That's not the man that all these people in this world are coming together to support. I love him. Hmm. Several other family members accompanied the accused rogue aviator, including his parents and father-in-law, the news outlet reported. Emerson, wearing blue scrubs, turned toward his family and whispered, I love you, when he was brought into the courtroom. A relative reached toward him to do a fist bump in the air. He has been charged with interfering with flight crew members and attendants and faces dozens of state charges in Oregon, including 83 felony counts of attempted murder. Uh, this is a complete shock to everyone, his lawyer said, uh, adding that the client, 
the actual guy who tried to do this, wanted to thank the pilots for their timely and heroic actions and the flight attendants for their kindness. Um, he actually also tried to open up the door. He tried to get out of the plane in mid-flight. Man, talk about problems. Carlotta in Rhode Island, hello. Hi. Uh, here's my thing. How can a man without a heart be heartbroken? So when Bo died, Biden didn't run because he was heartbroken. But now we see that there were 40 FBI investigations into him at the time. And I think he just knew he wouldn't have time to close them up in 2016. So now we have the 40 people. We have it come out that there were these investigations, and he took care of them or tried to, and he ran in 2020. Uh, yeah. So he's no heart. Is that it? No heart. No heart, Joe. He is a weird guy. I gotta, I gotta assume he loves his family, but then again, he really abused and kind of exploited Hunter. Rudy, Rudy told me, I mean, this guy knew he was a, a drug addict. Joe Biden knew his son was suffering from addiction, yet sending him all over the world. It's like the last thing he should be doing. He should have had a regular humdrum job. In Delaware, instead of running around the world making money for his father. Don't you think, Carlotta? Well, yes, and I think that Biden put his ambition and greed before his son's welfare. He's thinking, oh, I've got this covered. It'll never come out. And, you know, and I hope, I wish Hunter Biden, he lives to 150 years. But he's going through a lot, and he's not a strong person. No, no, they are one lost, uh, one lost family. It's sad. And it's the first family. How did this happen? How did this happen? A great country like I think I told you before. I remember where I was, 1987, South Street Seaport with my dad. Joe Biden had just been caught in a whole mess of lies. And we were both astonished, shaking our heads. How could some person, a United States senator, actually be that stupid? Uh, Carlotta, how are things in Rhode Island? Haven't heard from you in a while. They're fine, but I want to tell you one more thing. In Alec Marlowe's uh, book, Breaking Be- Breaking Biden, yeah, he sums it all up. He said, when you uh, envision Joe Biden falling up the stairs, he has failed upward his whole life. You mean when he actually, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting what he put it, failed upward, failed upward. Yeah. He got lucky when he was 29. This is on you, Delaware. Smaller than right. Suffolk County. Thank you, Carlotta. It really You're is welcome. incredible. You know, uh, talk, you know, look, I don't like the phrase white privilege, but talk about white privilege. You know, back then, all you needed was, uh, some white skin and a great big smile. And, uh, look at Joe. He got himself to the United States Senate. It is insane. Steve in Westchester. Hello. Hey, Greg. It's a pleasure to talk to you. What I don't understand is how come we didn't have this gun problem three years ago? And one of the things that I think that's driving it is. Well, what do you mean? Wait, 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 wait. What, what, which gun problem? The guns that are just all over the streets in New York City and throughout the, the Northeast. And I put my finger on the illegals that show up here on buses. Nobody checks the duffel bags. These people get on buses, and the the coyotes give them handguns. And when they come up here, they sell them for $1,500. Uh, you know, before the immigration crisis, uh, we had a real big problem with de Blasio. Uh, lying about the NYPD, complaining that it was so racist and that he was going to come and fix it. Like I've said before, first he pretended the NYPD was broken. Uh, then he pretended to fix what wasn't broken. And then he actually managed to break it. And proactive policing and all this stuff that, you know, before, even before the immigrant crisis, 
we had a big problem with guns. Started really as soon as he came into office, 2014. You can go back and look. Shootings went up. And then they, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. They they played a lot of games with the numbers. But uh, this started under de Blasio. It starts at the top. Uh, the, the, the illegal migrants aren't helping the matter at all. And uh, we don't know who's coming in here. could even be worse than guns. I mean, we're talking bombs. We're talking dirty nuclear bombs. Watch out. It, the, the sky's the limit. It's totally unchecked. Our enemies, China, the government, they see this. Talk to Gordon Chang and all these military-age men coming from China through Mexico. It's um, it's it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. I'm glad, I'm glad I called in there. Thanks. That's, yeah, you uh, got it. Wonderful. You got it. You got it later. Um there seems to be rumblings that there's going to be an invasion tonight. You know, the ground invasion could happen tonight. Uh, there's a lot going on there right now. The Israeli Defense Force reporting that ground operations in Gaza are expanding, that they're expanding right now. Okay, that's fine. Uh, but what does that actually mean? Does that mean, I don't know what that means. That's kind of like vague on purpose, perhaps. Slightly vague on purpose. They do that. They do all kinds of interesting things when it comes time to announce to the public what's going on. I remember once I was in, uh, I was actually in Washington D.C. and they talked about the uh, the troops had crossed the line of departure for the assault on Fallujah, and everybody in the media thought, okay, the invasion must be on. And I'm like, that is a very strange thing to say. Why did they say that? And I still don't know why they said it, but I knew it wasn't the invasion. They weren't invading Fallujah. Something else was going on, but we have crossed the line of departure. They choose their words. It's called information operations. Information operations. It's a, it's a military art and it's been around for a long time. Um, you know what I miss? I miss the movies. There's not one good movie to go to, right? Is there a new movie? Nobody talks about any movie. The only movie anyone ever talked about in the past two years was that Barbie movie and the Oppenheim movie. There's no other movie, right? There's no other movie. There's no new movies coming out. It's all this stuff on Netflix. I hate reality TV. I hate, what's his name? Randy Cohn. Who's that guy who gave us Bravo TV? Randy Cohen? David Cohn? Who is he? Andy. Andy Cohen. Him. Yes. Man, more than anybody else, with the possible exception of uh, Kim Kardashian, uh, they really have done such damage to America. Andy, this is on you. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, Mr. Mayor Rudy Giuliani just walked in. How are you, sir? I'm I'm good. Good but uh, upset. Why? Because I think that the uh, strike backs that we did yesterday uh, that Austin did were an encouragement to the strikes by Iran today. You should have learned from way back during Clinton, don't hit back if you're not going to hit them back in a way that says, you better not do it again. If you hit them back and you hit an empty field, you don't go after personnel. You just go after armaments. You're sending a signal to the Ayatollah. I'm afraid of you. Well, he hit us again today. Uh, Did no good. So we're going to have to do it again. How about we start hitting their personnel like they're hitting our personnel? They've injured 24 of our people. I bet it's more. They killed one of our contractors. They don't tell us that. They hide it. It's hidden. Undercover. They killed one of our contractors. The guy was running for shelter when the bombing took place. He died. They said uh, that's yeah, an American a, casualty. Heart attack, right? Uh, yeah, heart attack while he's running from a bomb. 
Now, there is yeah. a time and a place. I mean, look, I think people forget, you know, they hit us in January of 2020. Uh, Iran hit the same outposts. I don't think we counterattacked in any real aggressive way. This is after we, this was their response, I think, to our taking out Sulmani. Anyway, I, I, I understand you want to kind of keep it contained at the but same time. Was, you know, Soleimani was a, was a response to one of their, to one of their attacks on us. Uh, we hit them, they hit us, we hit them once, they hit us again, and then we took out Soleimani and a lot of his people. And, and prevented and, a lot of attacks. Well, you're damn right we did. We took out a lot at that point. Or when he hit Syria, he ended it. He hit it one time and that was it. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, you really, it's, it, it's a little bit of a modified, uh, uh, I hate to say it, Powell doctrine. If you're going to hit him, hit him hard. And uh, hit him with the point that you're not going to hit you. I mean, uh, gosh almighty, if you attacked John Gotti, he wouldn't come back and shoot it at, at, at an empty uh, warehouse. <laughs> hey, uh, there was a rumor going around yesterday that uh, that Mark Meadows, former chief of staff, uh, was wore a wire uh, and recorded Donald Trump in conversations turned out it was totally bogus, but I am kind of wondering what the hell. You and I both said that yesterday, by the way. I I remind you, I was on your show yesterday, and we both concluded without knowing a damn thing that it was that it was. It had to be bogus. It had to be. I know Mark. I know his character, and uh, I'm wrong sometimes, rarely. So, all right. So it's not uh, not not that. But what is going on with Meadows anyway? I don't feel like uh, I don't know. Something's up there. Well, I seriously doubt that Mark is not going to tell the truth. I, I, uh, and I am absolutely confident that neither one of them committed a crime. Uh, so, uh, maybe they're going to twist something. Maybe they're going to play around with something and they change the meaning of things. Uh, but I don't think it's a serious, a serious problem for, for the president. Now, the things I was involved with, with Mark, I, I'd be happy to have him testify about him. <laughs> you can talk about him all he wants. We didn't do anything wrong. I didn't yeah. do anything wrong. I was his lawyer. I, I explored possibilities. In ways to uh, expand his uh, his cause, which was what I was supposed to do as his lawyer. What was I supposed to do? Go work for the other side? It's amazing. You got the whole world on your shoulders, and you got a great attitude. You 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 got a spring in your step. It looks like to me, right? Well, I you know, I every once in a while you get down a little, and you but then you look in the mirror, you say a prayer, and uh, I don't think I'm fooling myself. I believe I'm doing the right thing. I I, I haven't lied. They accuse me of it all the time. I went through a hearing in the last couple of weeks. I was called. A liar, a racist, a xenophobe. Uh, I don't know what else I, I was. And my feeling is they were. <laughs> right. I felt like I'm sitting here with, with them. I, you know, uh, and I can't understand it. They're, they're calling lies, uh, arguments over the interpretation of what a word means. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, you are going to prevail. I know it. And I am hearing even Joe Biden realizes they're actually acknowledging that Donald Trump is the number one uh, contender for the presidency. So now, he what is. do they do to him? <laughs> what do they do? What do we, have you heard anything? No, no. Been? But I have. A, I have. I had the same feeling uh, last time, and at, at about this time, uh, you know, at, at about this time four years ago, Trump. He never looked perfect, but he looked like if the election could be held today, boy, this guy'd be president by ten points. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, here comes the pandemic. You so think- I don't know. Uh, I just. I feel very good about it. Let's put it that way. You do, but I'm not sure. I want to feel good. About it. I'd like to have the election right now. Let's what, put it that what's way. the What's the thing with Tish James and that old that old story? What's going on there? I think that's evaporating too. That judge is like uh, kind of soured that case by acting like a clown judge. Yeah. Yeah. 
18, I mean, you can't overcome the 18 million for Mar-a-Lago. So I you mean, can't overcome it. You're a clown. <laughs> so he'll appeal. I mean, I, I just, and I'm worried about Jack Smith too. What about that? What about even the commentator? The commentators, a conservative commentator. Well, that is actually a serious case. The one about the, the documents. I don't buy it, but they, that's keep... not, it's, that's not the first, is that the first one he's trying? Mm-hmm. I've forgotten. Is that the first one he's trying or the it's one the where first Mark one he was Rett- indicted for? Will, will, Oh, because he had some documents that he misplaced or I don't if it weren't. Yeah, I worry about it only because it's a Washington jury. I think that case tried before any group of neutral Americans. The case gets laughed out of court. He moved documents around Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> he yeah. moved them around Mar-a-Lago, which is per, which is about as safe. Believe me, it's as safe as any of the government facilities where they're stealing documents left and right. And if you fight them, right, it's obstruction. Oh, yeah. If you if you say uh do you believe the election was stolen? Yes. Go to jail. No, nah, I mean, come on. <laughs> but it does put you in a different ca- category. It well, does. We'll put you on, we'll put you on Fox. Uh, Tom in the Bronx. Hello. I'm talking to two giants. Goodbye, Tom. Uh, I can't stand this Tom guy. He's always making up a new name. That's not him. He starts with a great big flattery, and then he starts talking about Pat Buchanan. You knew Pat Buchanan a little bit, right? Uh, very well, actually, and, and had a had a good friendship with him and a big dispute with him. What happened? The big dispute was over a Nazi uh, war criminal, uh, Mykovskis. Mykovskis was convicted in absentia in the Soviet Union of being a uh, commandant commander, a, 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 a camp commander, actually. He killed about 12,000 people. Yeah. Uh, and Buchanan uh, objected to sending him back to the Soviet Union because he had been tried in absentia and said, we cannot credit, you know, the Soviet system. Uh, and therefore, we can't send him back to the Soviet Union. Congress had passed a law saying we can ignore that. And Ronald Reagan made the decision that we had to go forward with it. So I, I had to argue that in court, uh, handled that for two, two years. And Buchanan <laughs> went after me pretty badly about that. And, uh, and we finally won and we, we got him extradited. And the Soviets... Soviets then decided to give him another trial. Had the Soviets decided to give him another trial, we could have got rid of him right away. But then he then he died in Soviet custody. <laughs> hey, no bigger Yankee fan than you. The Yankees lost something, like just the whole yeah, thing. Baseball, yeah, yeah. forget about the players, forget about too how Too many good. years now, too many years. What year, do you mean? Too many years away from a championship, right? Yeah. Maybe one of the longest that we've gone without a championship. Like I'd have to look back to the 60s. Uh, it's not as central as it used to be, though. It's yeah, not as relevant. Yeah, 09. 09 was our last championship. Wow, 09. My God. That's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that money, too, huh? And, t- and teams that could have won. You know, te- teams you had a feeling could have won. It didn't. We miss... Uh, miss George. George Steinbrenner. The, the one of the family. I don't know. Giant. Hey, thank you, sir.